circumstances but the Nashville Predators lost to the Arizona Coyotes we've all had our immediate gut reactions David Boyle has talked to Preds media we've had the exit interviews the dust has officially been settled all that we're doing right now is watching more playoff hockey it's not the Predators but let's talk about them Boyd what was the big difference between Arizona and Nashville why do you think that Arizona advanced and Nashville didn't I mean, truthfully, it was kind of two things. It was not making the mistakes at the really inopportune times and then also being able to capitalize on the mistakes that were made. Because if if you look at the series overall, I mean, especially at five on five, Nashville dominated Arizona and it really wasn't close. And if... Nashville had certainly been able to have a little bit more finish to their game. Um, you know, it, it could have been a much quicker series going in the other direction, but, you know, a, a few mistakes at really inopportune times and just Arizona capitalized. They didn't miss when it counted and Nashville pretty consistently did. Yeah. And, you know, now that we have seen, that what I like to call the all-stars of 2015 lineup. Now that we see that that doesn't work, right? Now that we see that just because you have money to throw around and you can go out and get a big name like Mikhail Glenn or, or Kyle Turris or Matthew Shane doesn't necessarily work, right? So who's one guy that you are really looking forward to who's been in Milwaukee that you look forward to on this national roster next year? Um, I mean, I, I really look at two, um, and it's, and it's both on the offensive side. Um, I think it's certainly Ellie Tolvanen. Um, I mean, he absolutely tore it up down the second half of the second half of the season in Milwaukee. He was a goal scoring machine and, you know, that, that certainly helped right the ship after a very difficult start to the season, but if if that's the indication of him turning the corner, you know, the the sky is certainly the limit for what he could be in Nashville. Um, and and even in the press conference today, uh, uh, David Poyle referenced the excitement about possibly seeing Tolvanen playing with Matt Duchesne. So the concept of him being on a second line with Matt Duchesne, that's, that's a, a very interesting idea. And something that I think, you know, what what Tolvanen would do very well there is with all of Matt Duchesne's, you know, skill and speed, he's a player that operates in space and wants to operate in space. And so he needs to have people on his line who can help create space for him. And someone like Tolvanen, because of the threat of his shot, has to be accounted for 
every time he's in the offensive zone. So that that helps create the space for someone like Duchesne to be able to operate and move and you know use his speed and the the incredible puck skill that he has to be able to get out there and make plays. Um, and then really secondarily for me, it's Yakov Trenin, a guy who, you know, is an absolute tank on the ice. Um, you know, his size, he's got, but he's got good hands. He, he r- retrieves the puck well, controls the puck well, um, really kind of brings a number of different skill sets to the table. And, you know, he's, he's the kind of player that could be inserted into multiple spots in the lineup and be able to contribute positively. And if the Predators are really considering this sort of youth movement, which is probably a year or two overdue, <laughs> you know, he's, he's really somebody that could come in and make an impact. Um, when you think about it, he tied for second on the Admirals in scoring, and he played 15 games less than anybody else on the team, maybe more than that. I'd have to look it up specifically. But, um, I mean, he was he was really putting the puck in the net. So, you know, whether it's a fourth-line role, a third-line role, flexing up the lineup a little bit, um, there's, there's just a lot he brings to the table um, that – could make a really, really strong impact for the Predators. And today, um, David Poyle said that some guys were not going to return to the team, right? And the three names that point that that, that sort of stand out to me are Craig Smith, Mikhail Glenland, and Kyle Turris. And those are three guys that, you know, made up the second line just a year ago against Dallas. And now that it looks like none of them will return. So who do you think is a viable replacement for a guy like Craig Smith, who's going to be that consistent 20 goal scorer, right? Because Preds fans are used to seeing 20 goals a year out of Craig Smith. You don't really know what you're going to get out of Kyle Turris or Mikel Glenland anymore. And it doesn't look relevant, but Craig Smith yes. is kind of the, the the fan favorite here. So, who's a viable replacement for Craig Smith? I mean, first off, I mean you really have to look at Tolvanen first um, of someone who is, you know, has that goal scoring capability. Um, when you look at some of the younger guys, you know, like a Rem Pitlick, who's got a lot of just kind of varied skill sets skates well, controls the puck well, you know, has some offensive finish to his game. Is he a 20-goal scorer? Hard to say. Maybe. Love to see it. Um, so, you know, you, you really have to start with who are the guys that, ha- that really have that high-end capability. And, you know, from, from Milwaukee, it's Tolvanen looking a little bit broader. Maybe Philip Tomasino, who – I mean, my gosh, could he have looked any better in juniors this year? I mean, he absolutely dominated over the entire season across two different teams. And, you know, he's, he's entering, you know, probably what is Mitch Marner territory of you could send him back to juniors, but what else is he really going to gain? Because he is that much better than anybody else he's playing with. Right. Um, 
you know, he's a 100-point a player in junior. So I, I think he's going to get a really, really strong look um, in Nashville. I, I think his question really is, um, does he have the rounded game to play in the top six? Does he have the size and the kind of physical maturity to play in the top six night in, night out? Um, or does he land more of maybe in a third line role with some power play time to maybe take some of the pressure off, um, but then give him some special teams to see if he can impact the game that way. Okay. And um, we met, talked a little bit about this earlier, but 10 unrestricted free agents and Yakov Drennan and Colin Blackwell are the only two that I see are guaranteed coming back, right? I think that they've just proven too much. They're too young. They've got too high of a ceiling to let them go right now. Totally. But is there, is there anybody amongst those eight other names, guys like Corby and Holzer, Yannick Weber, Jared Tenor, like are there any names that, I mean, even just salvageable, you know, like, or is it just, let's just overhaul what we know about the bottom six and the third pairing for this Predators team? I think for the bottom six and the third pairing, yeah, pretty much cut them loose. Cut them loose, start it over. Um, if if nothing else, I mean, the, the Predators need to get younger. They need to get cheaper. Um, they they have players who can fill some of those roles who have a higher ceiling. Um, I think the one player that's a UFA that might, they might really look to bring back would be Michael Granlund. Um, just because he is still in his twenties. He played significantly better under John Hines and he was visibly different. Um, and you know, so if they can get him, say, maybe on a bit of a short-term deal, almost like a RFA bridge deal, even though he's already in his late 20s, um, there there might be some convincing of Granlund that in this kind of flat cap environment, if he can play a year or two with the Predators, have strong seasons, he might still be able to sign that big deal at the age of 30 um, as opposed to signing a lesser version of it now remains to be seen how much you know, that narrative might stick. But, you know, if, if he could be kept around as an additional top six player that might help at least kind of buoy the transition to the younger players without really just going all in. Um, although certainly the wild card to that is someone like, Tomasino, who, if he comes into camp and just blows everybody away, I mean, that, that kind of changes the whole narrative at that point. And one thing that fans and media members are talking about alike is this, quote, lack of physicality on the team. Do you think that the Predators need bigger, bulkier players to solve this issue, or do you think they need to get smarter and how and get players that can avoid those big ice hits and hurt defenses who take those chances. I think more so than just one or the other, it's more about roster balance and balancing skill sets. 
Um, you know, you look at the, you know, now thankfully reunited top line um, of Forsberg, Johansson, and Arvidsson. Part of what makes them so unbelievably effective is the blend of their skill sets. Forsberg is very capable of, of capable of being physical. Ryan Johansson, very capable of being physical. Victor Arvidsson is a speed demon. But their their offensive kind of blend of skills, you know, there is a reason why Victor Arvidsson skates into the zone and has 20 feet of empty space in front of him. Because <laughs> the rest of the defense is looking at Forsberg going, well, we can't leave him alone. So, you know, that leaves Arvidsson free to skate in and go 1980s clap bomb style and just blow high goalies who have no help to do, you know, whatsoever. Um, but in, in terms of the overall physicality, yes, you need players who can play physical. That doesn't mean you have to go Tom Wilson, but you need to be physical enough to win the battles in the corners, win, you know, win those win those net front battles and be able to clear it out in front of your own goaltender. Um, so there, that has to be maybe a part of the lineup, but you want to look at, you know, someone like Yakov Trenin who can do multiple things. He can forecheck, he can retrieve the puck, he can pass, he has a good shot. And Oh, by the way, he also happens to be a freight train. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's making sure that, you know, when you pick some of those, some of those attributes, you're also getting a player who is able to contribute positively in other areas. Well, and let's talk about Trennan for a second, because Yakov Trennan, during his limited tenure in Nashville, I remember one specific play where he strips the puck in the offensive zone, drives all the way down in front of the, in front of the net, hands it off to Kyle Turris, who scores the goal, right? But other than that, Yakov Trenin was didn't do a whole lot in the offensive zone, but also didn't allow many things going on in the defensive zone. He was just kind of that 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 neutral player, at least for a couple of games. Obviously, it's yeah. not a complete statistical, yeah. you know, reference point, but. Do you think that Yakov Trenin in Nashville plays significantly better? Or do you think that he sort of goes into that, uh, I can't say that, well, I can't, Austin Watson territory? Yeah. I think he has the capability to do more. Um, he has a significant skill set in the sense that he is he has great hands um and is excellent controlling the puck especially in tight spaces around the net um he has a good if not great shot um you know you, you you're certainly projecting a little bit that you know he will has bring has brought more will continue to bring more to the ice um than Watson and you know you're you're looking at a guy who like I said was second on the team in goals in something like 46 games in in Milwaukee so you 
project that out a little bit. And if he's a, you know, 15 to 18 goal scorer playing a third, fourth line role in Nashville, I mean, that is very, very solid. And, you know, you're looking at if he can, you know, play a little bit on the penalty kill, be responsible on his own end. He's played a lot of center. If he can win faceoffs, you know, so if you can get a bit of the tangible and then mix in a little bit of the intangible skills, um, you know, and if he wants to keep, you know, one punching six foot nine monsters, then even better. (laughs) When, uh, when John Jensen and I were talking uh, in a private conversation with youth comes a little bit of stupidity and Mm -hmm. There's nothing more stupid than Yakov Trinan saying, all right, Char, let's go. But, <laughs> you know. Um, As we all learned later, he's a trained boxer. So maybe he knew what he was doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He knew what he was. <laughs> um, it's very clear that the Predators need youth because they have their veteran players. They have guys uh, that didn't miss the playoffs until this year uh, for a very long time. You got guys like. Roman Yossi and Ryan Ellis, who have, you know, they went through Milwaukee, they proved themselves, and now they're finally the leaders and the captains of this team. Do you see anybody in this youth roster, if you will, the AHL top two, if you will, do you see anybody that can one day become this Roman Yossi, Ryan Ellis type leader? I would, I would definitely put Pitlick in that category. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he was – he was the leader of his team in college. Um, you know, he kind of did it all. He was, he was the frontline guy. Um, so you could, you could certainly see him fit into that category. Um, even a guy like uh, Dante Fabro, who's still very young. He was, he was an associate captain um, when, when he was still in college, um, you know, Everybody, fingers crossed, uh, David Ferentz signs at some point. Um, you know, he, he would probably fit that mold as well. Um, you know, so there's, there's some guys in the younger group who can, who can certainly be, be leaders in the future. Um, you know, hard to say if a Trenin or a Tolvanen fills that role. Um, a, you know, uh, Tomasino was an associate captain, um, in juniors, uh, remains to be seen with something like Igor Afanasiev, where, where he fits this year, um, with his, you know, sizable production last year, if, if he starts to get it starts to get elevated into a leadership role, um, there, there do seem to be a number of guys in the pipeline who, you know, kind of fit that, that character quality. And, you know, if they can grow into their game, grow into their persona, uh, could, could certainly fit into that mold of a leader in the future. And one more question, Boyd, and once again, thank you for coming on. Um, Carl Taylor has done a tremendous job in Milwaukee in being there for his players uh, motivating his players to do well on a nightly basis and also implementing a system that benefits every single one of his players, right? So when How we, good were they this year? Wow. Calder Cup for sure. I mean, they were, they were locked in until the pandemic hit, and obviously we had to shut everything down. But, you know, 
like David Poyle said, the cupboard's getting a little full. Time to start bringing guys up. So how well do you see guys like Jack Oxford and Ellie Tolvanen who are used to Carl Taylor's tutelage? How well do you see them adjusting to John Hines' system, who's a little bit more uh, defensive-oriented? I mean, honestly, I think they'll do fine. Um, it, what I'm, what I'm really looking forward to seeing, and and I think we maybe even got a taste of it in the qualifying round, even if we weren't totally aware of it, um, is the impact of assistant coach Dan Lambert, who was has been an offensive coach and has been a very successful offensive coach everywhere he's been, and you know, in the beginning of the 1920 season, we saw little sprinkles of that until the road got a little tougher and then it went right back to the Laviolette show. Um, and I'll be curious to see, you know, assuming all the assistants are kept around, um, if, if Hines is a little more focused defensively, does Lambert really start to come to the forefront with his offensive strategy? which could play very well to some of these younger guys who, you know, want to play on movement, you know, finding spots to get the shots, maybe, you know, enough structure to keep them in the right places, but not rigid. Um, and the other thing that I think really comes into play is that really what Coach Hines it seems to be about is the motivation and the mental aspect of, of the players maybe even a little bit more than just the structure. Um, when, when you look at his, his press conference today, um, that, was, that was a lot of what he spoke about was the mental and emotional structure of the team, how they had progressed from when he, he first came in back in January um, and sort of the almost mental fragility that they showed you know, throughout the first part of the season to where, you know, sort of in the back half of the season, they started to mount those comebacks, you know, really show a little bit more of the drive that they hadn't shown in the early part of the season. So if he can maintain kind of that motivational aspect um, that, that he showed early, early off in his tenure, you know, that's something that usually resonates very well with young players and might, might really help to bring them forward and, be able to kind of showcase the best parts of their game. Actually, Boyd, one more question, because you bring up a great point in that these young players are still moldable. You can still teach these young players things about the game right now. And John Hines is one of the best coaches in the game. He may not be the best strategy guy, but he is one of the best coaches for young players. So do you think – and obviously we can't predict this. Do you think that maybe the Dallas series last year and the qualifying round against Arizona, do you think that maybe it was a blessing in disguise for this Predators team who very clearly needed a shakeup? Very possibly. Um, you, you look at the fact that, you know, they, they have not responded that well to adversity. Um, you know, that series against Dallas, you know, and, and going forward. And then, you know, it, it was, it was referenced today. You look at the winter classic where, 
things things started to go wrong and they just snowballed out of control and nobody could do anything about it. And you know, so you're you're looking at you know everybody seems to recognize that things just weren't working. And you know, while everybody in the room is going to say positive things about the room because why would they say anything else? Um, you know, players very rarely ever dog teammates, even if team their teammates that they think are probably gone. Um, it is, it is potentially a positive that, you know, the, the team recognizes that they have to be a little bit different. They have to do things, you know, a little bit more, emphatically than maybe they were doing before um you know you, you look at you know watching some of the games from the 2017 playoff run for example and you saw a team that was just never quitting they were high pressure all the time and you fast forward to 2018 2019 and just that drive that pace just wasn't there it just was not the same team and especially when they got kind of down and out. You, you just didn't see the push that you, you might have seen in prior seasons. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's good to an extent that it, it gives them a little bit of a natural reset. Um, you know, they went high, they're coming back down. Now they have a chance to sort of say, okay, start it over, reset, and figure out a way to, to really bring it back up. And one of the ways to do that is infuse some youthful enthusiasm into the roster and, you know, some guys that are just ready to go out and get it. And that oftentimes helps pulls, helps pull some of the veterans forward to say, you know, well, these, these, these young kids are going after it. I better go get after it too. Yeah. Well, boy, uh, we we're officially out of time because unfortunately my Zoom plan is very cheap, so I gotta you know, I gotta limit my Zoom meetings for. Uh, but boy, thank you so much for coming on. And as soon as uh, as soon as the NHL draft is over in October, you will be the first guest back on. Awesome, man! I look forward to it. I really appreciate it, Jack. Yeah, of course. Well, folks, this concludes another edition of Puck Talk with Spider Jack. Be tuned in for more. Because I'm going back to college and we'll see. So, (laughs) y'all be safe out there. Have a good one.